It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's keep this thing rolling. You know, the, the comment section has been on fire for the entire show, Jeff, and we're going to get through as much of this as we can. You know, Shane was in earlier saying that he's here. We can start now. I appreciate you <laughs> being here, Shane. Garrison Smith checked in and says that he's going to be in Miami today for the game. Uh, I'm jealous. Jeff, have you ever been to a game in Miami? I have I not. Old game, stadium or new stadium. I've not seen it. Well, Garrison, uh, let us know how it is down there. I know that Being Miami intrigued. Stadium is supposed to be an experience, so we want to hear about that. Scott Campbell checks in. Aloha, Scott. Always glad that you are here and uh, so loyal to us. We appreciate Before you. Before we jump into that, speaking of, so Garrison's going to the, the game there at Lone Depot. What's your favorite stadium not named Great American? Oh, dude, Petco Park was just lit. It was mm-hmm. so much fun. It, it, more than just the fact that San Diego is so beautiful and, you know, the mm-hmm. people were laid back. I got some good-natured ribbing in all my Reds gear the first night when the Reds lost. Uh, the second night when the Reds won in extras, nobody gave me a hard time at all. And it was a giant 40,000-person party in the stands. Uh, the the love they have for that team, the excitement they have for the players, the energy. Uh, I, I look forward to a day to feel that energy at great American ballpark. Um, They, for a regular season home game on a Tuesday night, the energy matched what I felt in great American ballpark during the home run derby in 2015. It was that electric just on the daily basis. So much fun. I'm planning on next week to knock off the white Sox uh, stadium off my, off my list. I don't know that it'll crack the top uh, three. Cause I, I really think, I mean, Petco's up there for me as well. I really liked PNC Park. I know that we're not supposed to like things in Pittsburgh, but I kind of did. And, um, I mean, it's a toss-up for me because Wrigley is one of everybody's favorite picks for uh, places that they've been that aren't the Reds' ballpark and they love. And I had an amazing experience there as well where I got a free hot dog because a vendor dropped it off his tray and it was completely wrapped up and clean. And he's like, you keep it. And I'm like, this is just how can you not love baseball? I mean, how can you not be romantic about baseball when you get a free hot dog at All Wrigley right. Field? You're like- done. Stop it. <laughs> You're done. Listen, before we move on, I want to answer you back a little bit about how they get these guys on the team. Uh, I think you're on the right track. Uh, first of all, if they are not going to designate Will Myers for assignment, that is absolutely not going to happen. And, and he's listen, I still believe he's going to heat up. Uh, the weather is only just now turning great American ballpark was built for a guy like Will Myers when he's right. And I think he'll get right. Uh, as the prospects come up, maybe he'll get a little bit less playing time. They're not going to designate him. I think the moves that you suggested are the moves that should be made. Newman and Barrero both have options. They can go down to make room for McLean and De La Cruz. Stuart Fairchild's another guy with options that you can send down. Well, who plays? As you say, Spencer Steer then becomes the utility type guy to allow CES to play first base. Who do we send out to make room for CES? Well, that's Fairchild. Uh, you know, the thing with Nick Senzel suddenly emerging 
uh, re-emerging, recapturing. Yeah, that's true. He's his, playing good third. Spot at third base. Yeah. I, I don't. I think right now, unless somebody comes up from the minors that just steals that spot from him at third base, uh, he's finally found his way home. And it just speaks to volumes. It speaks volumes to how poorly the Reds used Nick Senzel uh, in the last few years of his minor league journey and into the start of his major league career. It's, so it's with that crazy. being said, you, you're obviously not going to put McLean or Ellie De La Cruz at third base. Do you? Which one do you move to the outfield? So, as I've said all along, one of them is already an outfielder. Matt McLean has played a lot of center field, a lot. He played center field at UCLA. He's played it sporadically in the minor leagues. He knows what he's doing out there. Uh, he may not like it. It's not what he wants. He wants to be a shortstop. He said so. He is a shortstop. He said so. But I also believe at the end of the day, if the question comes to you, uh, hey, Matt, do you want to stay in Louisville and play shortstop, or do you want to come to Cincinnati and play where we tell you? <laughs> he's so. on the first butt to, first bus to Cincinnati. That's just yeah. the way that that's going to go. So that's who I use in the outfield. Uh, you know, we've talked about the fact that we would be willing to try Spencer Steer out in the corners, left and right, from time to time. Could totally see that happening. And in this scenario, I am not adverse to experimenting with Jonathan India in the corners as well. Uh, but I have a feeling he'll more than likely be more DH than anything else in that scenario. So there's ways to do this. There's ways to bring up all three of these guys and still get everybody starters playing time. And as you say, I don't want to have the Joey Votto conversation until we have to have the Joey Votto conversation because I don't know, you don't know, nobody knows what this Joey Votto that we eventually get is going to look like, what his playing capability is going to be. Is he going to be an everyday guy? Is it going to be a farewell tour for a dude that's retiring? We just don't know. So let's hold off on that speculation. Let's kind of leave it sitting on the side. We know it's there. We know it's heating up, but we're going to deal with that at the appropriate time. And and I know the news was they just sent him to Louisville, but they they made sure to qualify. They sent Joey Votto down to Louisville for batting practice. And when asked if it was a rehab assignment, David Bell said no. So th this is not them starting the clock and he's going to be here and probably inside a month. I, the more that we keep thinking about Joey Votto and the more that we keep hearing day to day, he's getting there. He's really far ahead, but he's also not close. And like things like that, I keep thinking all-star break, maybe like I, every day that passes by, I keep pushing it out myself. So I, I wonder if we're not going to see him until the all-star break. Well, you know, it's a 20 day rehab process. Once they say, okay, Joey Votto yeah. has been assigned to Louisville on a rehab assignment. That's a 20-day process. That's when we start to speculate. That's when we start paying attention, see what Joey's doing, and really have these conversations. Until then, we just don't know. Um, I'm, I'm reluctant to ever count Joey Votto out, so I mm. want real data to work with. So I'm not even going to try, Jeff. I'm just right. not going to do it. So let's dig into some more of this. Chris checked in earlier saying the National League Central is within reach. We agree on that. Chris, um, the, the Reds really could steal this thing. Calvin popped by and says, bring back Aloha Fridays. We will in the offseason. Uh, Jeff and I uh, have very interesting schedules throughout the regular season uh, between trying to coordinate those two schedules and the Red schedule to cover as much baseball as possible for you folks. We can't commit to a live every single Friday, but we're going to do them when we can. But the Aloha Friday theme will be back. I've got my shirt on just for you guys. Yep, yep. That will be back in the off season. Uh, speaking of my shirt, Joseph loves my shirt. Dude, I wore this shirt when I sat in the diamond seats 
while I was in Cincinnati opening day weekend. And I was one row out of the darn camera frame and nobody <laughs> got to enjoy. I was ready. I, I was like, I'm going to put on a show for Cincinnati. Didn't happen. Sorry. about. You're that. always looking for the camera. I'm always looking. For <laughs> Look, this face should not be hidden from the people. This is what I'm saying, Jeff. <laughs> oh my god hey while we're on while we're on that uh shout out to chris he came up and said hey at the ballpark the other day if i'm ever down at the ballpark and you see me definitely come say hey and we'll talk about the game that's going on it was while he was leaving and i was getting ready to record a post game now so that was kind of cool to see but uh yeah shout out to chris every day or as he as he told me speaking of every dayers danny new checks in since he's been a reds fan since 1966 he's here watching us today thanks so much danny josh beckley also here on a daily basis appreciate you so much josh says this also says i am straight up more excited to watch the bats game tonight than that than the reds game uh i can't blame him reds game and watch i'm you know i've noticed have you noticed there's a lot more uh conversation out on reds twitter out in reds country of people watching the bats game uh, i noticed that when they're not playing at the same time as the reds sadak has been watching the games and tweeting things and C-Trent you know i tweets a lot about the bats yeah correct and i bring it up to say this for the first time the minor league baseball feeds have been included in the mlb.tv package it's huge. And everybody's getting to watch these games. So for for once, Manfred Hates Baseball got something right. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how to process this information. Well, and I love the I, I love too. Um I, I think was it Wednesday? Yeah, it was Wednesday's game. It was a little ping on my phone on the MLB app. It was like, hey, by the way, we got uh, Louisville facing Columbus, and you can see Gavin Williams going up against Ellie De La Cruz. And I'm like, Yep, pull up the app. Let's watch this. Let's see what happens. And that's when I saw the amazingness that was a 10-pitch strikeout for Ellie De La Cruz. Sure, it was a strikeout. But then the very next pitch, Matt McClain clobbers over the wall for a home run, and that was the only run that they got off Gavin Williams. But the bats who had their own bullpen day going on between Randy Wynn and Zach Brown, um, which, speaking of another guy that needs called up, before June 2nd, call up Zach Brown so that Zach Brown can pitch on the day that the Zach Brown band is at great American ballpark. I think that's, that's just a given that should happen, but um, yeah, no, he, he pitched pretty well in that game too. Although his stats so far this season haven't been all that great. Call up Zach Brown for the Zach Brown concert. I, I mean, come it. on. It's easy. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. Let's find another one here. Calvin says, it seems Indian Fraley are leading the grind it out for every inch charge. Do you think Newman also falls in this camp and maybe why he's seeing a decent amount of playing time above Barrero? I think Barrero hasn't uh, forced the Reds hand. I think that's really the answer to that, right? I, I tweeted it out yesterday. I said, if, if you're the Reds, tell me you don't believe in Jose Barrero without telling me you don't believe in Jose Barrero. And giving playing time to Kevin Newman every other day is telling me exactly that. Like if, if Jose Barrero were proving it and if Jose Barrero were meeting the check marks that they want him to meet, then there would be no question. He'd be playing every day, but they continue. And, and they're not just playing Kevin Newman against left-handed pitchers. Kodai Senga was a right-handed pitcher. So that told me all I need to know. Like, I think they are, they're waiting on whatever contract situation it is that they can avoid 
uh, by calling the guys up in June. And uh, honestly, if we get to June and they're not making these call-ups, I am going to start to have a lot more questions because it's obvious that Barrero's just not won this job away from the guys who are coming up. Hey, while I pull up this next comment, Jeff, can you jump on and verify Jose Barrero's option status? Uh, the chat is asking for Yeah, I think he's got one more option. I think he has one left, but um, if you can just jump on while I'm going to this next one. Uh, Chris keyed on something that I said. <laughs> he says, Cincinnati Reds 2023, stumbling our way into relevancy. T-shirt for Cincy shirts coming soon. Hey, Love I want royalty. That. That's what I know. If if I'll, they I'll if that shirt there. happens, I want royalties. That that was I'll, that was trademarked right here on the Locked On Reds Live Friday show for I'll, sure. I'll buy one of those. Yeah, Fangraphs. According to Fangraphs, uh, Jose Barrera does have one more option. One more option. Yeah. Uh, Brian Moyer checks in and says the small ball Reds is fun and more successful than having two guys hitting dingers while the other seven strike out. Listen, um. It's it's been a perfect storm. This small ball approach has coincided with all of the changes that Major League Baseball made this season mm -hmm. to harken back to an earlier time, to create more of a running game, to increase stolen bases, to eliminate the shift, to allow more hits, more ball in play. It just so happens, you know, I don't know that the Reds even did it on purpose. I don't know that a conscious decision was made to like, hey guys, let's not um let's just not hit a lot of home runs. What if we play <laughs> yeah. like it's 1979? I don't think anybody did that. I think it just kind of happened. But with all the rule changes, it works. Now, if they had not changed the rules, I want to tell you that we would be having a whole different conversation about how this team has performed. If the shift was still in place and the bases were smaller and they weren't stealing and there wasn't all this electric around the lineup, uh, we would be talking totally different about this. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because the Reds are very confusing offensively if you look up their batting numbers they're not good and in fact the best thing about the reds hitting statistics are is their on base percentage in their 15th in major league baseball and it's so weird to look at some of this stuff and i, I broke this down the other day whenever you weren't with me but there were there's a lot of stat cast numbers that are very negative on the reds and saying that it's weird how they're getting all their their runs scored but then there's uh, the tweet that came out the other day, and it's it's um, the account is SIS um, Statistics. It's the company that really got Moneyball going and all this other stuff. But they were talking about teams that are the most successful at stretching singles into doubles, going first to third, second to home, things like that. They're able to quantify that. And the Reds were like sixth. They didn't show up in the top five because they showed the top five, but the Reds were literally sixth in Major League Baseball in the way that they base run. So their base running is why they're winning ball games this season so far. Yeah, the, the whole get them on, get them over, get them in. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I talked about this with Paul Keels last time. Uh, and if you, mm. you guys, have you, any of you heard Jeff or I on uh, Paul Keels' uh, show that's broadcast throughout yeah, Ohio, Ohio sports magazine radio or that's Ohio right. sports magazine that, show or something. Let us know in the comments because um, we've been having a lot of fun uh, for me. Uh, I mean, you guys all know the Buckeye geek that I am getting to do a, a weekly segment with Paul Keels is, is, yeah. you know, the He's, voice of the Ohio state Buckeyes. It just great. Former Bearcats I have arrived. Bearcats. Ladies and gentlemen, I have arrived. Great, I am doing great segments former Bearcats Paul Keels. broadcaster. Paul Keels. Stop it. You know, everybody's got to do their turn in the minor leagues, Jeffrey. All right. And moving a great away former from Michigan broadcaster too, but I don't think you want to remember mouth. that. What are you doing? You know what? I'm going <laughs> to knock you off of this feed. What is wrong with you? 
Jesus. Calvin says there are rumblings of any, are there rumblings of any other signings? Seems that's died off since a green signed. You know, I, I was afraid no people would start to feel that I, there weren't. And I was afraid people would start to feel this way. Um, there have been preliminary talks with Nicola Dolo. There's been preliminary talks with Graham Ashcraft and there have been preliminary talks with Tyler Stevenson and Jonathan India. This much I know. Uh, where those talks are at, I don't know. Again, as Jeff says, we didn't know and Green was going to be signing until it was done. Um, I think with Nick Lodolo, he has other things to focus on right now. <laughs> yeah. and, and the Reds aren't going to really beat that drum until things line out. With Graham Ashcraft, remember that as soon as the, the whole news broke that there were preliminary talks going on in the background, his grandmother died. He went on bereavement list. He had a horrible start. A lot of things happened in that window of time. Rest assured, I those talks are continuing. Uh, the Reds have not just dropped away from that, but I don't expect to. I don't expect there to be just a blast of signings over the next three, four, five weeks. This is going to be a process. But do I think there will be more signings this year? I think there will be more signings this year because of the way that Hunter Green's contract is structured. It still opens them up to sign almost as many guys as they want to sign if they're going to continue to sign deals like that, and. Really, the way that I want the Reds' front office to operate is like the Atlanta Braves' front office. The Atlanta Braves' front office just gets it right. They build an amazing team year in and year out. And one of the things that the Braves are very well known for is the surprise move. Their Sean Murphy trade was not rumored, was not leaked in any capacity. Like Whenever it happened, I remember our Lockdown Braves host, Jake Mastriani, was just like, what? We got Sean Murphy? I didn't hear anything about that. And that's how it's gone. Like all the signings, Spencer Strider came out of nowhere. And so with Hunter Green kind of coming out of nowhere a little bit, I kind of feel like the Reds are operating the same way. And it's kind of a bummer for us as fans because we want to hear rumors. And for us as podcasters about the Reds, we love rumors. We love the rumors, yeah. <laughs> all the rumors, we want those, but that's not how they're going to operate. And you know what? I'm kind of okay with that because when there is rumors about possible moves and rumors about possible trades or possible signings, and then nothing happens, it makes me feel negatively about this front office where we don't necessarily know where that rumor originated from in the first place. So I don't necessarily think that a rumor is always necessary. Will Klein checks in and says, Crawl has done virtually everything right to this point. Yeah. I'm trusting his handling of CES and McLean and Ellie De La Cruz. He's privy to more information than we have. So either this is Nick Crawl's burner. <laughs> Will Klein. I don't think that. Uh, Will, I agree with you. Uh, and, and we've listened. Jeff and I both graded him as A. We gave mm -hmm. him the grade of an A for how he handled last season. So, you know, I am inclined to to be in this camp. I just wish I knew. I wish I still wish that Nick was a little bit more communicative with the fan base uh, within reason about what he's trying to do. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, without the double speak that we see when he's asked about the prospects, give us a, give us a general generalized timeline. I'm not saying, you know, I'm, I can't call anybody up till June 10th. He's not going to do that, right. but you know, let us kind of steer us in a direction. You know, we're looking towards midsummer. Uh, we want to make sure that these players are completely dialed in and comfortable. We don't want to push them too far, too fast. Here's what we're looking at. I, I mm -hmm. could accept that a little bit, maybe, but sometimes this the silence says a lot more than you know. The silence right now is telling me that if it was up to Nick Craw, he'd probably call him up today. That's that's just where my speculation keeps going. 
for most of my fan life, when it comes to the Reds, the Bengals, and whatever team I'm rooting for in other sports like that, I have always wanted there to be transparency from the front office. I think Nick Kroll tried that and was very bad at it because he was almost too honest about the whole reallocating payroll to resources and stuff. Like that still makes me cringe whenever I say those words. And it's as much as we've turned it into kind of a little bit of a jab and a little bit of a joke. There's there's still part of me. That's just like this man felt like this was the necessary messaging to tell us at that time. I don't necessarily know that he has the right way to articulate his plan to us. And I think he got to a point, especially around the trade deadline last year, where he was just like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to build it. You're going to see it. You're going to like it. It's just, I have no way to give you the instructions as to how it's going to be done in the process. So I'm not going to try to articulate this to you. Just wait and see, and you're going to like it. (laughs) Jeff, I have one of the most interesting trade proposals I've ever seen in the chat. Here we go. Carlton Van Hoy says, I wonder if we could trade Ellie De La Cruz for Steve Cohen. Would you do that deal? I think I would do that deal straight up. Ellie De La Cruz for Steve Cohen. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think we have found that baseball out of all of the major professional sports, you have to have, uh, that good owner and nobody has Steve Cohen. Like other, other owners are mad at Steve Cohen for just how much he goes for it. And sure. The Mets aren't necessarily in the best of positions right now because they've underperformed, but they're going to write the ship. I firmly believe that the Mets are going to be in that division conversation with the Braves as the season draws to an end. We saw it last year where the Mets were well ahead in the month of May and the month of June and the Braves came back. So talent will out. The Mets are just full of talent. And I, I firmly believe that they're going to be there at the end of the day. I, as much as I love Ellie De La Cruz, if you tell me that you're going to give me an owner that wants to spend $450 million on a roster, give it to me. I, I, that's, I want that guy. Sean Rickman says, uh, call up these three guys so we can compete this year, pick up another, another starting pitcher before the trade deadline uh, and send Castellini to single a, uh, I brought this <laughs> up Jeff because I thought that was funny. And the whole going out and getting somebody, that's not in the model. That's not going to happen. No. Uh, any any trades they do, even listen, don't don't for a second think that just because they're within striking distance of the National League Central this year, that it's going to knock Nick Crawl off of his plan. I, I have been assured by people that I believe know that Nick Crawl is not going to deviate from his plan under any circumstance. So that tells me that even if they're a couple games out, they're not going to trade away youth to bring in some veteran to try and win a crappy division and get eliminated in the first round of the playoffs. That's not going to happen. They're going to stick to this plan. Any trades that are made will be because there's not a lot to move at this point. Uh, If Will Myers heats up, he's an option. He's a guy that could be traded for something uh, in back in return for some kind of a prospect Uh, beyond that. Any signings they make will come in the offseason, and I suspect will only be some supplemental guys to fill in and patch holes because they really do believe they've got most of what they need in the minor league system. Oh, absolutely. And I I don't see because the number one thing that any trade will mean what means they have to trade one of these prospects that they're banking on for their future. And 
part of what Nick Crawl said, and everybody also kind of killed him for saying this, but the uh, the whole peaks and valleys thing, you create a finite timeline whenever you trade a future guy for a, a now guy. And why I think it tends to work out better for the team trading a prospect for a proven talent, it doesn't work out better in the long run. And the Reds aren't built financially to constantly do that. So they're trying to tell us that, yes, this is how we have to operate as a franchise. And, and, and any move we make is not necessarily going to be like, I don't think we'll ever be on the flip side of what the Mariners did by trading a bunch of guys for Luis Castillo. I just don't see the Reds really ever making that kind of a trade. They, they've got to grow the Luis Castillo. They cannot acquire Luis Castillo. It's interesting that the conversation has gone here and where I'm at in the chat right now. Um, Couple couple comments and then we'll get into this. Carlton Van Hoy says that he still thinks they're too light on pitching prospects in the minor league system. Uh, Joseph Gaditz is asking if we, if we think we'll see Abbott at some point this year. Let's take these two things together, Jeff, because for me, are they light on pitching prospects? Well, look, we've got Andrew Abbott, we've got uh, Levi Stout, we've got Brandon Williamson, all the Triple A level. Now, say what you will about the stats of Levi Stout and. And Brandon Williamson, uh, there's still time for them to figure it out. Right. Coming up behind them, we still have Connor Phillips. We still have Chase Petty. Chase Petty made his debut down in Dayton, uh, pitched four innings his first time out, and looked pretty good. Uh, there's still those guys. Are they thin? I think they're thin in relief pitching help. There's not a, a ton of, of bullpen arms that make me think the Reds are going to have a big, strong bullpen that's homegrown. So as far as signings go, I still think there's uh, enough starting pitching within this organization. If two of the four guys that are still out there that the jury's still out on, if two of those four guys hit, really they only need to go out and sign bullpen arms at the major league level. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. If you, if you build the rest of the team, the, the most of the position players, and the starting rotation is homegrown, and you go out and sign a bullpen and a utility guy or two, I'm okay with that. I think that's a success. That's a successful rebuild. Well, and think about, you know, if you're building a team, think about how much things would cost, no matter what that team is. Your uh, your ace pitcher is probably going to be your most expensive contract. Well, well, you we know what it costs. It costs four hundred and fifty million dollars. <laughs> we know what it costs to go out and try and buy a, a baseball team like that. Right. If you're going to oh, doing it right now. Right. If you're going to buy every single aspect of it, but even just ranking like the the different aspects. If you're looking for a middle of the order hitter, that's going to probably be your second most expensive thing. If you're looking for a bona fide already established closer you're probably going to play pay a lot of money i mean aroldis chapman and craig kimbrell did not get pebbles to go pitch for their different teams that they signed free agent deals for so the, the way that the reds are doing it right now they've got a bunch of pitching prospects and if those guys don't pan out they turn into bullpen arms and the the whole idea that we need more pitching prospects when you graduate three in one year to the major leagues and then they become part of your rotation yeah you're going to be light on pitching prospects because your best three guys are now no longer that level of uh you know prospect and they've got some young guys that aren't necessarily on the top 25 list right now like um i mean i believe it's jesus aguiar one of the guys that they 
um, acquired in the Brandon Drury trade who he's, he was 18 years old whenever they acquired him last year. He's still well away from making it to the majors, but he has talent and he's, I think he's pitching in Daytona right now. So there's different guys like that, that we don't necessarily have on our radars because let's face it outside of the top 30 prospects and outside of guys who are in triple a, we don't really know those guys because we're not Doug Gray. And we don't spend every single day watching the minor, the Reds minor leagues. <laughs> and speaking of Doug Gray, uh, just a programming note, I'm getting ready to fire up the lefty in the bullpen again. Um, scheduling interviews right now with some of these minor league guys. We're going to be hearing from some of these dudes. Uh, also, Doug's going to stop by and do an in-depth uh, breakdown of all of the minor league levels from low A all the way up through triple A. So that's coming. Those will be bonus episodes in your feeds, just like last year, where we sit down and talk with the minor league players uh, and kind of get their perspective on how things are going uh, to answer the other half of that. Also, Jeff, yes, we're going to see Andrew Abbott in Cincinnati in 2023, right? I, I, I would almost venture to guess that it's close to when they call up the trio, right? Like I, th- I think he is proving that he needs to be fast tracked and, and he's not, it's not as if he is super young either. He can, he was a college pitcher. Uh, the chat was also talking about a bunch of guys back and forth about the Tyler Mowley news. Very sad to see. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw that, Jeff. Yeah, I hate to see that you had, uh, TJ. Tommy John for Tyler Mowley. Uh, I hope uh, a speedy recovery for him. And that he's going to be a free agent too. He's going to be a free agent. So that's rough. That's a rough go. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, he's able to bounce back, get him a prove it deal somewhere, uh, and get back on track for himself and for his family. Uh, sorry. Lost my spot. Crunky uh, says Louisville is a difficult ballpark to hit in, which makes it even more exciting about the power that these prospects have coming up to Great American Ballpark. Uh, I don't know about the park effects for Louisville. I've actually not seen a game in Louisville. You've been down to Louisville. What was your I have, impression? I've not the- been to the ballpark itself, but like I've seen a lot of people talking about it and just kind of how it plays. And I mean, it's interesting to note with the park, the park dimensions and not necessarily being super hitter friendly, uh, Matt McLean is slugging over 700. CES is slugging over 700. This is not their OPS. This is their slugging over 700. And ever since he started his first like five games, like one for 21, Ellie De La Cruz is slugging over 700. So these guys are not just hitting the ball hard every so often. It's like literally every night that they're killing it. Well, I look for the next comment. I want you to answer this one. Is Jose Barrero getting passed over or did he get a fair shot? It's interesting because I definitely think we've given him enough time to at least show us he deserves more time. Like I I think every prospect goes through a long process and we've heard some different other organizations, not the Reds front office, but I like I've heard the Royals front office say they give a guy at least a thousand at bats before they really make a decision on him. And he's not there yet. But what he has shown us, I think we've seen enough to know now whether or not that's fair. You have to look at what the Reds did with him. They called him up for his major league debut during the covid season of 2020 because he was on the, he was on the Prasco roster and, and he was available to be that. And everyone at that time said, this might be a little early. And what we saw from him, whenever he got called up, it was early. He did not really profile that well at the plate. He's swung at everything. So then, okay, you've got to figure it out the next season. He gets hurt. 
He has a long, uh, long time coming back. And then he had the hamate bone injury in 2022 as well. It just kind of seemed like every time we turned around, there was an explanation as to why Jose Barrera wasn't figuring it out. So this year there was no, there was no extra thing that we had to, you know, think about with Jose Barrera. He's healthy. He's ready to go. He had the opportunity to take his everyday at bats and with his opportunity that he's been given so far, he has proven that not only has he not necessarily figured out how to hit the ball, but now he has trouble fielding. And if he's got trouble fielding and hitting, I don't know what else he can do. Get him out of there. I, yeah. I think that he's had enough time to figure it out. Uh, for all the reasons you said, it's been slow going, and I've I've tried to be patient, but there's just too much talent coming. You know, he, I, I, he missed his window, and whether it's fair or not, I don't know about if it was fair it, how it happened. I mean, it, if COVID hadn't happened, Jose Barrero wouldn't have happened when he did. There's just no yeah. way he would have seen a Major League Baseball stadium as early as he did. So, you know, I don't know if it was fair, but he's had and opportunity that, oh. this season and he hasn't seized it. So it's just one of those things. This next one, Jeff, comes from Scott Campbell. And I know your answer, but I'm just going to give you the chance to do your thing. Uh, counting tonight, 54 games until the Major League Baseball All-Star break. Over under 54.5 games until Joey Votto returns to the Reds. Hmm. It's, come on. Don't even act like you're thinking about it. Yeah, it's the over. I'm taking it's the, the over, over right? <laughs> and this is not something that I would want to take the over on, but yeah, I think I'm taking yeah, it. Over. I think I don't think we're going to see Joey until August. I, I'm just going to put that out there right wow. now. I, see, I, 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 think, I still, I still kind of think maybe after the all-star break, but yeah, it's, it's hard to argue any timeline at this point. Like it's like that scene whenever Jim was just like, 394 days like talking about the apocalypse if he he starts a 20 game rehab before the all-star break so let's say 20 games prior to the all-star break so i can see i can see a logical return for him being the first game out of the all-star break so like that would almost have to be like the last week in june yeah so he needs he has he has about a month to be ready to start a rehab assignment and then if that happens, then yeah, he could get back all-star break a little before, a little bit after. But other than that, I mean, I really think we're realistically talking about end of July, beginning of August. And the uh, reports of he, him taking batting practice. I mean, this is like talking about a pitcher throwing from flat ground. Like that, he's not to the point where he's doing enough to make us think that the rehab assignment is imminent because you're also talking about fielding. And, and that's something we haven't heard anything about is him like throwing, fielding, catching all that different stuff. That's really what's going to take the most toll since that was his glove arm, right? It was his left, it was his left shoulder, right? Mm-hmm. Left rotator cuff. Yeah. 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 So I uh I expect him to be delayed. And it's and it's very sad. Uh where'd it go? Here we go. OJ's Bronco going to the Yankee series. Jeff, you're going to the Yankee series, aren't you? I'm gonna be in Chicago that weekend. Oh, okay. Well, OJ says, hopefully judge hits one into the river. Nope. That's going to be Ellie De La Cruz. Uh, but judge could, could be fun to watch judge hit at great American ballpark. Hopefully we just continue to add to the Yankees misery. The Yankees aren't very good right now. And and the biggest Gosh. problem is their roster construction is, and I'm sorry, cause I forget the guy who had the comment, but uh, of the whole idea of hoping that judge hits a home run and then everyone else is just kind of striking out around him. I scrolled past the comment, but I want to um, get into it a little bit. The comment was, do we count Chucky Robinson as part of this exciting 
young core of players and he's done really well. He's hitting well at triple a. And I think that's a direct result of the prolonged exposure to major league pitching that he got at the end of last year. Uh, as we saw, none of the catchers on the roster last year really had any business being a catcher or on a major league roster. I don't know that we gave him a lot of time last year. To- he was up for a long time. Yeah, but he I mean, still, like, I think he only played like 25 games. Okay, but he still got a lot of exposure is what I'm saying. He did, but I, I would be... All that being said, no. My answer is no. He's not part of the young core. He's... He, I feel, is a valuable insurance policy if you get in a bind. If the Reds had any inkling at all that he was going to be a productive major league contributor, they wouldn't have spent money on both Luke Maley and Kirk Casale. They would so have you're saying up. if they would call up Chucky Robinson and send down Luke Maley, you would not no. be okay. No, that's not going to happen. I don't, I, I don't, it's not going to happen. Uh, Chucky finds his way onto this roster via an injury to one of the three catchers and the Reds recommitting to the three catcher plan after the injury. Okay. That's the only way he comes up. That makes sense. I think. And, and it's been interesting the way that he's played and, um, Johnny Pareda, I believe is his name. Johnny Pareda was a non-roster invite to spring training, and both those guys have hit very well collectively in AAA, but I do have a hard time looking at them and saying, those guys need to be called up too. All right, let's do a few more and get out of here, Jeff. Jared on Vinyl says we should record a live reaction video to the City Connect jersey reveal tomorrow. Well, we've seen it, I think. I think the leaks are true. Mm-hmm. And here's my live reaction. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and I know that they weren't going to go as crazy as I thought, but I don't know. I mean, it looks fine. You know, like it doesn't look as boring as the Dodgers jerseys look, and it doesn't look as bad as the, who was it? Someone had really bad ones. Um, one in Houston. Houston's was okay. The, uh, the White Sox were fine. I really liked Miami's, and I don't think it's anywhere near what the Marlins did. Um, but, you know, I, I think it goes along, and I know I'm wearing a black hat, but I know it goes along with uh, a lot of folks that want the drop shadow taken away from Fine. the C logo. Take it away. Get it out of there. They just went ahead, and they're like, let's just make the whole thing black. <laughs> yeah, and, and they went with Cincy across the front versus Queen City or something else. I just, you know, I think it speaks to the larger problem that I feel the Reds have had on a lot of their marketing decisions over the last several years where everything just feels kind of unimaginative at the end of the day, when you look at it, it just feels unimaginative. Now hope maybe the leaks are wrong and we're going to get wild by something that we just don't know, but maybe, maybe the leaks were to see what our reaction is. And based on our reaction, they have something else that they'll be like, just kidding. Here it is. (laughs) All right. Let me find one more. I'm not a huge, like I am excited about the city connect jerseys for another, another thing. And I loved the throwback jerseys on the 150th season, but I'm not really one that gets up for a lot of discussion about jerseys and things like that. Like, I think they're fine. Like as long as, as long as we don't see somebody try to do what new era did with the whole clip art hat that they released last year. Like as long as we don't see that, I'll, I'll be, I'll, yeah, I know. I know you don't have the bandwidth or anything more than baseball and Frybox. I understand. <laughs> Let's finish with this thought. 
Carlton Van Hoy was talking about trading some of the young talent. You know, you got to give to get. We're loaded with infielders. Do they use those guys to go out and get others? Mm-hmm. Maybe a pitching upgrade, maybe an outfielder. Um, I don't know how much that fits in the model. I mean, you know, you talked about this a little while ago, trading the youth for a now kind of guy and, and what that means and what that does. I, I really think that at the end of the day, what's going to happen is, is very much more likely that they find new positions for guys. They shuffle people around. Uh, that's kind of the direction a lot of baseball is going. And then you free agent sign the band-aids, the, mm-hmm. the middle relievers that you're missing, the, the one guy that's the missing piece. Uh, I think that's how you do it. I don't know that packaging because listen, there's not very many straight up trades that you can make. They're going to bring a guy back to the major league roster. That's a difference maker. Right. Uh, so you're not just talking about trading one of the middle infielders. You're talking about trading one of the middle infielders and one of the starting pitchers to get back an outfielder, maybe even a player to be named later in that deal to get back a difference maker outfielder. I don't know that I'm willing to say that's a good idea. Yeah, and I, I think that you're definitely onto something. Like the reason that guys are on the trade block is one of twofold. They're either a bad team that's looking to sell off, which that doesn't happen as much as we think it does. Like what the Reds did last year is not something that happens a lot. That that their marquee players are up for sale for very high prospect. And and you saw our reactions to the trades that the Reds made, where it was like, dude. The Reds did really good. And if we're on the other side of that, I kind of have to wonder a little bit because then we get into the whole idea of depleting the farm system for how many years of this player's contract. So I think that you, you look at a player that has to have at least three years of control. And then I don't know if Marte is enough to get a guy like that. Like he, he had to be super, super good. Um, and, and really showing out in the minor leagues. And then even that, if, if he's doing as good as he needs to be to get a marquee player, do we want to trade him at that point or call him up? Because I think that the whole idea of this is the Reds are hoping these guys pop off and we call them up and the, the team is good because these guys are here, not because of who they can bring back in a deal. Well, Jeff, we are dangerously close to a triple-length episode here. Uh, this has been a blast. So let's wrap up with this. What are our predictions for tonight? That question, courtesy of OJ's 94 Bronco. Jeff, where are you at on tonight's game? I put money on the Reds' money. Or I put money on the Reds' money line to win. Um, I think the Reds will get the dub. I don't necessarily want to know what kind of damage they can do against Yuri Perez, but there's nothing about the Marlins bullpen that that scares me. And with Graham Ashcraft pitching, I think Graham Ashcraft's going to bounce back. I think he's mad after how that White Sox start went, and so he's ready to go. So I think the Reds get the dub tonight. I'm going to say final score four to two. Okay, I think two runs is about right as well. I think uh, Graham Ashcraft is going to have himself a day. I think the Reds will win six to two and the big fireworks of the night are going to come from a Nick Senzel home run. Oh, I like it. So that means that you would take the over and I would take the under because the over under is at seven and a half. There we go. (laughs) Well, let's see who's right. And Jeff, that's probably a good place to go ahead and wrap it up for today.
Absolutely. Thanks everybody so much for joining us here. And thanks for sticking on with our comments and questions section here as we get the chance to talk with you guys. Cause we always say it, we, we love talking reds and we want to talk reds with you and we absolutely mean it. So thanks for joining us here on this live uh, edition of the Lockdown Reds podcast. Uh, coming up next week, we are going to react to everything that goes on down in Miami, and hopefully we'll see a call-up. I mean, I know that the Reds are going to head to Colorado, so maybe they wait until the Reds come back home to face the Yankees and the Cardinals, but who knows what happens. We could see a call-up here soon. And you can bet that we are going to be all over it, uh, whether we are going to have a live reaction podcast to any call-ups or anything like that, or whether we're just going to have lots of analysis, you can trust that we will be what, Steve? Locked on Reds every single day. We'll see you guys next week. Oh, yeah. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.